to the Grace Based Family Podcast. This is Dr. Tim Kimmel. For over 40 years, our ministry has been teaching people all over the globe how to turn God's act of grace into the defining feature of their closest relationships. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grace Based Families Podcast. This is Karis, and today I'm talking with a, a very special guest. Adrian Gibson is a licensed professional counselor, clinical supervisor for the Arizona Board of Behavioral Health Examiners, and the owner of Valor Counseling in Mesa, Arizona. She has over 18 years of experience in the field of mental health. She has a master's in counseling from Denver Seminary and is a recent graduate of Northern Seminary with a master's in New Testament. She specializes in the treatment of complex trauma, and she's a wife and mom to three amazing teens. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So usually I say we're so excited to talk about our topic today, mm. and I'm not going to say that today, mm-hmm. because today we're talking about divorce, yeah. and specifically, we're talking about my divorce. Yeah. So... I'll just say from the outset, listeners, that this is going to be a candid conversation and maybe difficult in parts, but I felt like it was important to share my story and my journey with the people who have kind of walked this with us and and listened to our podcast and we share, you know, to a certain extent, we share personal stories about our own families because you know, we're friends here and and we share our lives and you share your lives with us so often. You allow us to enter into your stories and allow us to pray for you in so many wonderful ways. And so I feel like it's time for me to talk about this a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to know how to get started, but I guess I'll just say that um, I have recently gone through a divorce. And this is not something that I ever thought that I would face, you know, growing up uh, in the church, first of all, as a as a believer and with the kind of support um, community that I had growing up and then having the parents that I have, Tim and Darcy Kimmel, who are the founders and um, and have run a parenting and marriage ministry for the last 42 years, you just kind of think you're out of bounds and off limits to something like this happening in your life. And what I have learned is that nobody is, nobody's off limits, that these kind of things can touch anyone in their life. And um, we have to walk through them. And I think I've been fortunate in a lot of ways to have um, a great support network going through this, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any less at times feel shameful. Um, but I mean, the the part of my story that I can share is that um, due to ongoing unrepentant um, infidelity in my marriage on my husband's part, um, really the covenant was already broken. And so for my own um, the safety of my own heart and the safety of my children's hearts, we made the decision that we were going to end our marriage. And it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, and so we, we split in October of 2022 
and the divorce was finalized in April of 2023, which is a relatively quick process. Um, we did a mediation divorce, which is something that's possible in Arizona and maybe not in every state. Um, I think we, we tried as best we could if we had to go through this process to do it in such a way that mitigated harm to both each of ourselves and our children. So um, to the extent that we were able to do that, I think that that was helpful. And, um, and now I'm navigating what it looks like to live this new life that I have where you know, you, you're mourning not just the end of your marriage, but you're mourning the future that you thought you would have. You're mourning some of the memories in your past that when all the truths come to light, you question what was real and what wasn't real. And now as a, as a believer in Jesus, but also as a minister and as a minister in a ministry that is a family and marriage and parenting ministry, trying to kind of find my way and what that looks like has been challenging. So listeners, we, you can pray for me and um, as I walk this, this process. But I think um, what has happened is that this has opened my eyes to see in a new way. I think I knew intellectually that divorce is so common it's just as common in the church as it is outside of the church. Um, and I saw it, but I didn't really see it until it came home to roost in my own family. And I think through that process, I've discovered ways that um, the church can be doing better in how we talk about divorce, how we think about divorce, and how we support people in our community that are going through divorce. So I asked Adrian to come on today because she is an expert in helping people process complex trauma and divorce is for sure an example of complex trauma and all of the things that lead up to making that decision, right? Um, and so I guess I, I just wanted to start out and say, is there anything you kind of would want listeners to know about divorce and about facing that process yes because well first Karis, thank you for sharing your story oh. i think it, it's hard to step into this and to and to discuss something that you're personally going through but when you realize the magnitude of effect it has on you yeah and for how often it affects other people around you, but you now have yeah. a different experience to it. Yeah. It's still hard to come and talk about that experience yourself. Yeah. You know, but your heart is more tender to it. Mm -hmm. For sure. I wanted to be a part of this discussion with you, I think because going into the field of mental health 18 years ago, I knew I wanted to work with children and families. And I guess I didn't know that divorce would probably be would become one of the most discussed topics I would have in my office. Mm. Because when you work with children and families, it is probably the most common denominator that is going to bring children and families in to seek therapeutic help. Right. 
because we weren't listing it 18 to 20 years ago as a trauma that was being experienced in a family. Hmm. And the more research that we've done on trauma and chronic stress and how they actually um, affect the body in similar ways, that it needs to be looked at and discussed as this trauma that everyone has been probably experiencing. Because the divorce is what we use to determine the final act of the marriage coming mm. to an end. Right. It's the trauma and the chronic stress that everyone is actually experiencing before that actually happens. Yeah. And so that's not what's often discussed about is what is actually taking place in the home for everybody who's still either living at home or it even affects adult children who are no longer living at home just to know that there's been this there's been this ongoing situation and there's been this complex chronic stress that has been happening within the lives of everybody because children are a product of the marriage. Right. And so it affects everybody who is part of that marriage. Yes, and the family unit is disrupted by divorce and by what leads up to the the you know the long-term chronic stress right. that leads up to the decision to divorce that kind of final final ending of that marriage right yeah right and so i think when people come around and also then want to help or support somebody in the community who is experience this, experiencing this, or being affected by it, oftentimes they're looking at this final act of how do I support my friend or how do I support this family that is now going through this divorce when really it needs to be a wider scope look at then how do I support this family that has actually already been experiencing complex chronic stress for we don't know how long. And right. that's kind of what needs to be then changed on how we're looking at the situation. I found for myself that, you know, as I was going through this process and in the time leading up to the decision to divorce, um, I was seeking out resources for myself. And what I found is this gap that you're talking about. Mm. You know, we, we, it's what I like to call the, the marriage industrial complex, right? You have, and you have a lot of ministries and, and life coaches and uh, therapeutic options. Um, and I would say grace-based families, not in a negative way, but as part of this, this industrial complex of right. trying to prevent divorce yeah. from happening, right? Um, resources for couples to help them not have to divorce or choose not to divorce. Um, and then there you have divorce care and you have support groups for people who have divorced. Right. Then the act has taken place. The act has taken place. So yeah, you're speaking but about there, that gap. There's this gap in the in-between. Right. Um, and like you said, we don't know how long that process is for people, right? How many years they've been sort of in this gap. But walking through this myself, I, I noticed there, I just really couldn't find many resources for somebody who is actually going through this process. Right. Even once you've made the decision that, okay, we're going to get a divorce, it was hard to find resources to help you walk through that in as healthy a way as possible. Right. Um, because my ex-husband and I had a conversation early on where we said, look, to the extent that we can set aside what we're going through and make the mutual decision together 
to try to do this process in a way that will mitigate harm Mm. as much as possible right. harm is going to be caused right. you know this is this is a, a, a you know the family is being rended apart and that's just the reality but it is happening so since it's happening are there choices and agreements we can make through the process that are going to help this harm us less and harm our children less right. and I I really couldn't find the resources for that right. so I do think that there is a gap and people struggle in there and often they struggle silently without feeling safe to verbalize or to talk to somebody about um about what they're going through right because a lot of the time you know and i think this is one of the things we get wrong in the church is we in we're not good at recognizing abuse we're not good at recognizing um trauma and long-term chronic stress, and the ways in which the marriage has the marriage covenant has already been broken, right. and they've been living within this broken covenant for however long. I think that's what you're bringing up and addressing, because I like that you even pointed out that there is ministry and resources for people who are fighting to mm-hmm. stay in the marriage or fighting right. to see if we c- can we heal can we make right. this work and then you're saying right then there's resources for divorce care it's right. it's been broken how do we care for these individuals i think what you're bringing up now is there is abuse mm-hmm. that's being talked about more within marriage and there is trauma that's taking place and so what seems to be missing is what do we do for the people who know moving forward i'm working through this I'm working through this situation where I can't fight to make it work because either the other individual isn't going to fight to make it work or it's no longer safe for me to keep fighting to make it work. And that's the gap because we're saying that's where we're still needing ministry. We need the church. We need community and we need supports to come in and then take care of those individuals who are realizing how do I now navigate what actually is safest for me or I have to take this on and know that we are moving forward to get divorced because the other party isn't working towards what we're working towards. Right. Yeah. It, it, it requires two people to yeah. have a marriage and it only requires one Correct. to break a marriage. Right. And, um, and I think what happens when we don't know what to do in that gap is that we unwittingly encourage people to stay in marriages where it may not be safe for them. Right. And that's um, emotionally where or physically right uh, and yeah that's where there's shame and that is why i think people are um not super willing to speak up during that time because they're just afraid of what's going to happen you know what what advice they're going to get or the way that they might be feel judged or right. ostracized or shamed for the situation that they find themselves in right yeah. So it's complex chronic stress and it is trauma and oftentimes the individual who is being left or needs to do the leaving um, because of boundaries and safety, they're very alone. Yeah. It's very lonely because they usually then don't talk about it. Right. Well, and, and, a, and abuse is complex. Right. You know, I think when you talk about abuse, most people have a picture of physical abuse. And that is certainly a thing that happens. Right. But 
it, it can be much more sinister than that in how it shows up. And it can be hard for a person who is in the midst of it to even be able to put words to what is happening. They may not fully understand or recognize it themselves. Right. And if it's gone on for years and years, they often can't see what was actually taking place. It's right there. Yes, because yeah. ab abuse ero it erodes your sense of self. And a lot of the time it is so subtle. It's mm -hmm. happening so subtly over time that, I mean, human beings, we can get used to just about anything, right. you know, and accept it as normal. And... Um, and so that can make it difficult as well to to recognize what's happening. And that's why I think it is so important that we seek help from people like you mm. who are, um, you know, specially gifted by God to help people, first of all, recognize these traumas and abuses in their life and then learn to work through them. Right. I wonder if you have kind of a simple, straightforward definition of what complex trauma is. Well, trauma is an experience or situation that overwhelms our ability to cope. Mm. And so that's a very vague, I mean, it's, think about that. It's so, but it has to be vague because you and I can be in a similar situation and I might not lose my ability to think that I'm going to be okay. Maybe I've been through something really similar. Right. Maybe I didn't see it the way you saw it. So I thought, no, I'm going to be fine. And you thought, this is it. I'm yeah. not okay. So it's an experience that overwhelms our capacity to cope is trauma. Mm. Complex trauma is you're living in a situation where it overwhelms your capacity to cope so much so that those biochemicals that are released when you're traumatized actually never really fully dissipate. Mm. And so your radar system, which is found in our brain, um, gets overworked. And it actually starts to shrink in size because it gets overworked. And so it just doesn't work correctly after a while because then it feels like I'm always under threat. Okay. And that's complex trauma. Complex trauma is that. But I've also been using the term chronic stress. because mm -hmm. chronic. So stress is different than trauma, but stress impacts our bodies the same way that trauma does. So when we have chronic stress, we're releasing the same biochemicals, again, that were given to us to survive. Right. They're phenomenal and amazing. But if you're going into fight, flight, or freeze so often because of stress, then chronic stress impacts our bodies the same exact way that trauma does. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the time we think of trauma as maybe a single event, like an assault right. Or, right. or a car accident or something. And that certainly is trauma. But complex trauma, you're saying, are these events that occur, things that happen that overwhelm our ability to cope. Right but they're happening over a long period of time, just over and over and over. Right. And it's sort of this low grade, right. constant stress to, or trauma. Yeah, to give everyone kind of a better understanding, like even in the mental health world, our hands are a little tied when it comes to trauma in the sense of diagnosing and understanding because the only diagnosis we have for trauma is post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. which requires a traumatic event. It's okay. called the criterion A. So with all of our diagnoses, there are certain criteria that have to be met, and there's different categories. So you have to have one in category A and two in category B and so on and so forth. But the way PTSD works is you have to have what's called a criterion A event. There has to be okay. an event. And so that's why the more we understand about our brains and our bodies and how they're affected by trauma, many in the mental health world understand developmental or complex trauma as this 
other thing that we know is going on, there technically is no diagnosis for it, unfortunately. But if you think about it, do we really need a criterion A event to say that I've experienced trauma? What if my trauma was just my childhood? Yeah. You know, if it was just a really hard, really abusive or really horrific childhood, after a while, you're like, there was just so many criterion A events. Right. There wasn't like the hurricane. There wasn't, you know, the car accident that we all barely survived. Those are criterion A events. But complex developmental trauma is just it's affecting your body the same way. There's just not that one event that you can go back to. But your body responded to multiple events for so long. Well, and neglect is a form of abuse. Correct. So that's the absence of an event. Which is That needed to happen. So it's trauma. So, yeah, it it is interesting to hear how... how, um, you know, you in the therapeutic community, you're thinking about this in a very, um, uh, you know, categorical approach. Right. But I, I think for the average person, it it becomes clear when you understand what trauma is, how often we deal with these things. Right. So let me ask you, um, what what do you think are some well intended things that we do? Um, and when I say we, I, I, I guess I'm referring to we believers in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think are some well-intended things that we do that end up hurting those that are going through a divorce? Yeah, this is a great question. The term that has come around recently in regards to this is called spiritual bypassing. And it's, it's done because it's well-intended. Right. And it ends up actually causing more harm. So spiritual bypassing is the really um, cliche, often overused spiritual terms that will say like, God wouldn't give you more than you could handle. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's which is not in the Bible, by the way, right? (laughs) But some of them (laughs) even are that so sometimes people will say like, God will work this for his good. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Correct. And you're thinking all of that is true. Why does that not help? Right. Why, Why doesn't that, that feel yeah, good? Is that's not making me feel any better. And so the term we've we have for this now is spiritual bypassing. It's it's I'm wanting to actually bypass your pain because mm. I am uncomfortable sitting in it. Right. So I'm actually saying it in hopes that it makes you feel better, but really it's an attempt to make me feel better. And so that's what's hard is that what's actually needed by someone who's going through a divorce or someone who has some grief and loss in their life is actually just to sit with them in their hurt and let them yeah. feel it yeah, and just be there with them. We, we don't need to say those things, even if they're true, because I do believe that God is going to redeem everything right. in the end. Everything mm-hmm. will be redeemed. Right. So it's not the truth that's wrong. It's that I'm actually trying to get you to bypass what you actually need to feel in order to start healing. Yeah. And so I just need to be the person that just sits there with you and lets you feel it or just does nothing. I mean, it's it, it bumps up against I feel unhelpful. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be doing something. Like if I was supposed to go sit with somebody and just be silent and listen to them cry or bake them a casserole, which one am I going to feel more productive and helpful doing probably just bringing you food right offering to come and clean your house and none of those are bad those are for the those are also the concrete things that can be done but what are the things that we do that actually end up causing more harm is we're trying to push them 
to get through this quicker than they need to. Yeah. And we actually just need to sit there in the process of there's a lot that you're going to feel. There's a lot that's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And so what you need is the help and support of individuals who want to slow down and let you actually do that. And that's what I find so ironic about it. We're, we as humans are often doing it because we're the ones who find ourselves in discomfort because of the pain that you're experiencing. Yeah. Because I get asked so many times, what would you say to someone going through this? What would you say if someone was go- ha- dealing with this? Adrian, help me find the words. What would? And I'm thinking, there's. Do you think if you were experiencing that, is there anything that somebody could say to you that would make you stop hurting? Yeah. No. Yeah. So why do we put that pressure on ourselves to be able to put these words and sentences together? And I know our hearts are in the right place. I would love to be able to say something that would make you feel better. Yeah. But you're probably not going to feel better. Yeah. So I kind of need to walk in and take that responsibility off my shoulders to say like oh there's there's actually nothing yeah well that's going to help I actually just need to sit here and be with you and know that like I'm in this pain with you and I feel it and I can feel it with you yeah we we get antsy when we feel like we don't know what to say or what to do yeah the intentionality behind it is wonderful it's loving but it's it's you have to slow it down and not push them or move them faster than what they need to do and again a lot of people though will push back on that and say well then how long yeah how long do you let someone sit in that usually if we're pushing too fast going slow is going to be okay right just wait right yeah and and that that time frame is so different for different people because grief is not this checklist that we check off and we finish it you know it's a thing that we cycle through and you know the pain never really goes away but we are able to cope with it better it may feel less intense over time Um, but healing doesn't really look like this linear thing and um and I, I, I want to go back to something that you said, though, and just say that I can attest to the fact that over the last, you know, uh, year or so that I've really been open with some of the people close to me about what I was mm-hmm. going through and then started the divorce process. Um, the, the, the people that have been the most helpful to me, the times that I can think of in my mind where I felt loved and cared for was simply times when people just came over and just sat with me and let me cry yeah and let me you know vent and let me talk you know they maybe asked some questions we would dialogue about things they would it's not that they never talked at all or that we didn't have a conversation but there was definitely just their their intention was just to come and be yeah be with me um and again that's hard because it's uncomfortable yeah because we're empathetic creatures you know when we're around each other we mirror each other's emotions Mm -hmm. and so depending on how empathetic you are when you're with someone who's in pain you feel pain right with them right you know it's it's inescapable and so it really is a gift that you can give to someone and you don't have to do this for everyone right Right. i think we can get burnout when you know we're constantly the empath that's sitting with someone in their pain i don't know how you do it as a therapist but um but i think we can ask god to to show us you know 
who in my life and really it's it's going to be someone in your pretty close circle yeah you know we don't need to be doing this from the outside of you know three rings of separation right, with someone right. that I, I did experience there's people hurting all around us. right there's yeah. people hurting all around us yeah. and it may not be divorce it might be something else but I did experience that where there were people who were far outside of kind of my center ring yeah. of people who you know reached out and again I assume the best intentions but it can feel like to the person who's going through it that this is it's kind of a spectacle you know that they're curious and they kind of want to know what's going on and and they offer help they want to come sit with you and so I would just say you know having been in in the center of that um, it's helpful if you're really focusing on the people who are closest to you yeah. when it's something like this. So. Well, trauma disrupts our feeling, our ability to feel safe. That's right. actually what it takes from us. I don't feel safe. Mm. And so when you're healing or recovering from that situation, you're trying to find safety again. You don't know, you know, consciously that I'm I'm looking for this. So that's why I think what you bring up is that's why that happened. That's why that's so valid. So your circle, it's okay then if it actually gets really small. Right. Because you're trying to build something that you feel like you've lost right. and you're now experiencing it often for the first time in that in that magnitude of mm-hmm. all of a sudden the world doesn't feel safe anymore. Am I safe? And so in when we're handling that neurologically yeah (laughs) you know all the things that actually take place in our bodies your threat response system is actually going to want to stay very small Mm -hmm. you know so people coming in and trying to help you feel safe it makes sense then why you're like I can actually only go to this small core group of people where I can then go historically I know I have been safe right I have to work on finding that feeling again with and that's what they're going to bring they're going to come if the people who just come and sit with you and let you vent and mm-hmm. let you cry and let you talk. What they're actually helping you is back to that developmental stage of I can actually find and create safety again. Yeah. Even while it's been taken and s- robbed from my body. Yeah. You're just you're rebuilding it. Yeah. That's a huge complex task. Well, and I think, you know, within that I think obviously there are tangible things that are really helpful and I had a lot of meals brought to me Um, but again those things coming from outside of that real you know circle of safety is difficult right Um, I had a close family member come over and be like we're going to figure your finances out today Mm. And that was that was a good thing because I had an established trust with that person. Right. If that, I mean, think if that had been someone else. Like, hey, let's go through your bills. Let's figure out where your money right. is. Let's, you know. And these are all these things that I think when you, when um, you become a single person after being a married person for so many years, you realize that you need to get a handle on a lot of things that you didn't have a handle on. Correct. You know, I didn't know anything well, about Well, you have to my, figure out how then you do them solo. You do them solo. I have right. to figure this out now for myself. That's a task you now have to take right. on. Right. There were so yeah. many sort of shared things. And, and I think it's normal in any relationship that one person is, you know, the financial person and the other person isn't for right. whatever reason. Right. And so, you know, that's just one example. But if that had come from someone outside of that very small circle, right. I would not have been receptive to that. Yeah. Um, 
but that was one of those things that really, really helped me. And, um, you know, people just being like, we're just, we're just coming over, you know, and we're going to put you in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to make you drink some water and eat some food and take your medication. Yeah. You know, and so there were, there were weeks of time where I was just catatonic. Yeah. You know, and so there there is that tangible space where we can help and so i think people have different giftedness um and so to be able to find where you can fit for somebody but i think we can just get away from hey how can i say the right thing yes you know because you can't there isn't a thing there isn't there isn't a thing that's going to make the pain stop for them it the only way out is through right yeah in so many ways um describe the healing journey people go on. Um, yeah. What does that look like? Because I, I mean, I'm sitting here going, it probably looks a lot different than what other people think it does and what I thought it might look like for myself. And how, how do our communities kind of play a role in that? Yeah, I think this is the perfect kind of segue to this question because we're kind of talking about what we get from people and what we really need from people. But oftentimes I think when people show up, wanting to help they're wanting to know like what is what is the healing journey or for other p- individuals who find themselves in this current situation right now like what i get asked that a lot am i healing right mm-hmm. am i doing the right steps what is healing and so i think when we talk about healing i think we think of it as finite of like i've arrived yeah. healing is this thing that is out there that i'm trying to get to i'm healing and healing is the journey right this is what I get to share and then people are just so unhappy yeah (laughs) to realize like what healing is actually letting yourself feel the feelings that come up when they come up which we don't get to pick inconveniently no and that's okay though too I talk about people I talk with people about it's it's being mindful and it's being present in your body and there are times and situations where emotions come up and it's not it's not appropriate. Right. You know, you're at work and maybe you're the boss or you're talking to your boss and you just get hit with something and you're like, I can't feel that right now. If you're if you're actively practicing, I need to feel what I feel when it comes up, you can give yourself those moments of like, I can't feel this now. But there's an acknowledgement of something came up. Right. Was it about what we were saying? Was it about their tone? Was it about something about, and so you can say like later, I'm gonna come back to this. Right. And then you have to give yourself space to later mm-hmm. come back to it. Because yeah. when people say like, I still feel like I'm healing from my childhood. Right. They are, because now they're letting themselves feel the feelings that came up now about when they think about their childhood. So they're letting themselves feel the feelings as they come up. So when people want to know like grief and loss, a divorce is bereavement. We are grieving the loss of something that we thought we were going to have and we no longer have it. And so it is letting yourself feeling feel those feelings as they come up to process through because there's going to be so many different feelings. It's going to be, I'm so alone. Yeah. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. And there's all of these, you know, we call them the stages of grief. They're interchangeable. They go and they come. That's You have to feel all the feelings as they yeah. come up. And and as we talk about healing, healing is the journey. So then people are like, how do I, how do I know I'm doing it? Well, you're feeling the feelings. 
Yeah. I like to describe feelings like waves. They just, they're, they come, they hit you. You never know how intense they're really going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Often until you get hit and then you're like, that was a really big wave. I didn't know I would be under the water for so long. Oftentimes we as humans run away from these waves of emotions because we're like, I don't know if I can withstand it. I, I don't know if I can take it. And we need to remind ourselves we can always take it. Yeah. Because they don't stay. Right. It's just like a wave. The ocean always wants its water back. The emotions yeah. never stay. They're going to come and they're always going to go away. And the more we let ourselves get hit by the waves with certain emotions, like if we're processing divorce, if we're processing trauma, if we're processing grief, they slowly get smaller mm. because they're less intense because you're letting yourself feel the emotions. And so as you heal, the healing journey in and of itself is there's this thing that's taken place. There's this fracture. There's this experience. And when it first happens, you are going to bump up against it all the time. I mean, so think of it like a balloon or a bubble. And it's this thing that just, it's right next to you and you keep hitting it. And you're like, I just don't, I just want to stop thinking about it. But you got to think about it every time you hit it. Because it's all about life and experiences and what's reminding you of this grief and loss. Everything's going to at first, everything. Yeah. So you're constantly bumping up against this. Healing isn't when that balloon finally, or that bubble finally goes away. It's your life has expanded to let you get some more distance from it, so you bump up against it a lot less. And I think what's, what's hard is people want it to go away. Yeah. And what, we're, what you're trying to then explain and help someone realize is, but it's part of you now. It's part of your journey. It's part yeah. of your story. Like, Karis, you getting on and wanting to explain, like, what actually has been happening in your life? What's been going on? It's you then saying, I'm going to own my story. Yeah. This is part of my story. Now, I don't get to rewrite history to yeah. pretend that this didn't happen and this doesn't exist. And so when we own our story and we own our emotions and we feel them, we let them happen, that's what actually starts to create the distance and we just bump up it a little bit less. Yeah. And so that, that cliche, time heals all things, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> time doesn't, it, it creates more space for us to bump up against it a lot less. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, healing is hard work. Yeah. It does, it, it requires a, a level of engagement. You do. You have us. to engage in it to say, in, in I'm going to experience and, it. You know, what What happened to you is not your fault necessarily, mm. but you're the only one that can take responsibility for your healing. Right. And so it does require a level of engagement. And some days you just don't feel like you have it in you. You know, and I think that's where God's grace comes into play because we have to tap into his strength and his power when we feel powerless and it is there for, for the taking. And I know for me, in terms of healing, one thing I've come to terms with is that healing for me is not going to look like becoming the person that I was mm. ever again. Right. I'm not gonna heal back to a wholeness that I at one point in my life had. That was wholeness there. Right. But now this is part of my story. And so what healing is going to look like for me is, again, a process that may never be fully um, absent from my life. That bubble is not going to go away. But what's going to happen is I'm going to become a new person, yeah. a new version of wholeness. Um, and it is exciting to see how God is going to 
he is going to use this for my good. He right. is using it for my good and my children's good right. and my ex-husband's good. And, um, and, and so the hope is that by us having a, this conversation today, Adrian, and thank you so much for joining me, mm-hmm. that people can hear this, take something from this and incorporate it into their life or hear something that's gonna help them be able to help someone who's going through this. Because it's, it's so common. We all know somebody who has gone through a divorce or is going through a divorce right. or is facing some kind of grief or, or trauma. And so I just thank you for your words today. And um, listeners, if we can pray for you in any way, we, you know we love to do that. You can email us at grace or at family at gracebasedfamilies.com. Someday I'll get that right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Grace Based Family Podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministry. For more information, check us out at gracebasedfamilies.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, 